0: You're listening to the RCF Podcast. I'm here with Alice, and we're talking about miracles. Do miracles happen today? Does God still do miracles? If we answer those questions based on what we think, then there's going to be all kinds of answers, because people are going to have differing views of what a miracle is. So what we want to do on this episode is to look to the scriptures to see What is a miracle? And then I think we'll be better prepared to understand whether or not miracles happen today. We're going to look to the scriptures first and foremost, but when we just look to the dictionary definition that defines miracles, they describe it as an event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency, the work of God. That's how they define it, and I think that's a pretty good definition. But what are some characteristics that we see of miracles in the scripture?
1: Well, when we look to define what miracles are, sometimes it can be helpful to point out what they're not. So, first of all, they're not commonplace. It's not a baby being born, which happens every day.
0: Because we hear that all the time. Here's our little miracle. Well, not necessarily. This is the way every single one of us comes into this world.
1: And the only times it was a miracle in the Bible was with Sarah, who was in her 90s, and with Mary, who was a virgin. And there may be one or two others, like Elizabeth, who was in her old age. So you have a few of those in the Bible where the birth of a baby is actually a miracle. But the vast majority of babies being born is not a miracle. So miracles aren't commonplace. They aren't something that just happens every day. It's also not the doctor giving you medicine or chemotherapy and you recover from an illness or your cancer goes into remission. That's not a miracle. Those are natural means by which God uses those to heal us sometimes, but it can be explained by natural laws.
0: Yeah, and even in that, we're not saying that God was not involved. Correct. In God's sovereignty and his working, he provided you with a doctor, with medicine, with all of those things that line up so that you can be restored to health. Absolutely. We're just saying that it wouldn't classify as a miracle. Words are important, we need to choose our wording carefully so that we don't diminish something that's actually a miracle. In the Bible, some of the characteristics that we see of miracles are, first of all, that the miracles are immediate. And so even thinking about the person with cancer who they're in remission, you know, they've been healed of cancer after having chemo. Well, that's a long process, right? And it doesn't seem to fit the characteristics of miracles in Scripture. Look at the things that we see there. When Jesus healed the paralytic in Matthew chapter 9, that was an instantaneous miracle where the guy gets up and walks. When Jesus turned water into wine in John chapter 2, that was an instantaneous event. It wasn't like Jesus touched the water and then a year later it became wine. No, it was instantaneous. So we want to notice that as you go through the Bible, but specifically the New Testament, the workings of Jesus, the workings of the apostles, what do you see? You see these miracles happening instantaneously.
1: Right. I think of when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Mark 1 says, Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So this wasn't that she just started feeling a little better. No, she immediately got up and served. I think also of Luke chapter 8, when Jesus raised a girl from the dead, and she didn't just regain a pulse, she immediately got up out of bed. So you see these miracles being immediate. Also, in these examples, we see that they're complete. Again, it wasn't, oh, they're feeling better, or they're alive, but maybe in a coma, that type of thing. No, it's complete. They are 100% at that point.
0: They're not just starting to get better. Right, exactly. So, all of those miracles that we just mentioned would be examples of that completeness. Even in terms of something like Mark 5, the demon possessed man. When Jesus healed him, he didn't just take most of the demons out, he took out the entire legion of demons. With this man, it was instantaneous. One minute he was going crazy, the next minute they saw him just sitting there.
1: Sane and in his right mind.
0: Right, that's what the scriptures say. That's important that it's complete. Jesus completely healed this man.
1: We also see that miracles are obvious. I think of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. And in the very next chapter, the Pharisees were so upset that they were plotting to kill Lazarus. Yeah, Because no one could deny what had happened. It was obvious to everyone.
0: Yeah, and all of these miracles were things that people could see. They were visible. And this is so important for us because it wasn't like many of the supposed miracles that you hear about today, where somebody says, I had a little pain in my elbow that's been bothering me, and you know what? I got healed of that. Well, it's not necessarily verifiable. I'm glad your pain is gone, but I don't think we can classify your experience as a miracle. A lot of the so-called miracles that happen today, especially from faith healers and such, it's not obvious what happened. They tend to be on the subjective side. But these events that we see in Scripture, take for instance, again, the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5. People knew that for years this guy was demon-possessed. He was crazy. He was walking among the tombs.
1: And people were more scared when he was healed because they were scared of Jesus' power. They didn't understand Jesus' power, but when they saw that man sitting in his right mind, fully clothed, that terrified them more than him being demon-possessed.
0: And then Jesus sent the demons into the pigs. Why did he do that? Well, that gave another visible, obvious sign that a miracle had taken place. So if it wasn't enough for the people to see the man in his right mind— Jesus gave them an additional sign by sending those demons into pigs. Right. So we know that the miracles in the Bible are immediate, they're complete, and they're obvious. We would say, along with that, that they're verifiable. So you think of all these passages that we've referenced already. These miracles were verified. There were eyewitnesses to them. So again, it's not that subjective I felt this way, but nobody could check it.
1: Right. I think of the lepers that Jesus cleansed in Luke 17. He tells them to go show themselves to the priests. Exactly. Because the priests were the ones who declared them clean and welcomed them back into society.
0: And it was for that reason, so that the miracle could be verified. Yes. But many of the so-called miracles today couldn't be verified. And I think, ultimately, the big one that we want to be looking for is... Miracles can only be attributed to God. And that goes back to the very definition that we were reading from the dictionary, that it's not explicable by natural or scientific laws. And therefore, it's considered to be a work of divine agency. It can only be attributed to God. For many of the so-called miracles today, you could say, well, they got better because they took medicine. Or was it maybe just all in their mind, that they were thinking that they felt a certain way or they thought the pain in their elbow had just gone away. But, you know, our minds can play tricks on us.
1: Right, or you get a rush of adrenaline and you feel no pain at all.
0: So those types of things that people call miracles, we wouldn't say that they are only attributable to God. Whereas what we see in Scripture, for example, Mark 4, when the the miracle when Jesus calmed the storm It was obvious that this wasn't a natural occurrence. Jesus showed his power over the natural world through that miracle. And how did the disciples react? Again, they were afraid, but they were starting to understand, this is God in the boat with us, because who else could control the wind and the waves? And so those types of things were only attributable to God. Remember also the story in Luke 22 when Jesus's enemies were approaching him? Peter takes out his sword, cuts off the guy's ear, and then Jesus heals his ear. He puts the ear back on. Nobody was looking at that saying, well, it could be explained by something else. There's a natural explanation for this. No, that could only be attributed to Jesus. So, Those examples are incredibly important to us. But let's not also forget the big one, which is the resurrection of Jesus. It happened suddenly, it was verified, and it was complete. And God gets the glory. It doesn't get more miraculous than that.
1: We've talked a lot so far about characteristics of miracles, but another important aspect of miracles is their purpose. Miracles in the New Testament authenticated the message— I think that previous example from Luke 22 about the guy's ear shows us Jesus' compassion for his enemies, which ultimately points us to the gospel, because as sinners, we're all enemies of God. And yet in his compassion, he has made a way for us to be restored to him through the blood of Christ. And so this miracle wasn't just Jesus caring for that person, but it pointed to the gospel message.
0: Yeah, the miracles that Jesus did were directly tied to the message that he was teaching. This is something that people often miss. The miracles of Jesus were not random acts of kindness. The miracles of Jesus were not just for a person's comfort. Jesus was actually teaching in those moments. Look at the miracles in the New Testament and notice the connection to the teachings of Jesus. For instance, Mark chapter 6 and Mark chapter 8. In those chapters, we see the feeding of the 5,000 people and then the feeding of the 4,000 people. In those instances, what was Jesus teaching? Well, in Mark 6, he had just sent out his disciples to minister and he told them not to take anything for their journey, which was because he wanted them to depend on God. Well, here they are shortly thereafter, back together with Jesus, but they were out there in this desolate place. The disciples and 5,000 other people needed food. So Jesus does this miracle showing them he's all that they need. He's teaching them he is the bread of life. He is the one who satisfies. And even the fact that the difference between the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6 and the 4,000 in chapter 8... Many people have noted that the latter was in Gentile territory. So again, Jesus performed this miracle showing that he came not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. The miracle authenticated that message. And those two events fit the characteristics that we've noted in that they were instantaneous. Thousands of people fed right there on the spot. The miracles were complete. Every person was fed. And they were completely satisfied when they ate. There was actually food left over. And those miracles were obvious to everybody. They could see what had happened. There was no massive amount of food laying around somewhere that would have fed this many people. And so they see what happened. The miracles were verifiable. You had 5,000 and 4,000 witnesses, right?
1: At least.
0: Yeah, and those miracles could only be attributed to God. So God gets the glory. But Jesus was teaching a lesson there as he did all of that. So the miracle authenticated that message that he was trying to teach the people and to the disciples that he alone is the one who satisfies.
1: We see also in Mark 2 when Jesus heals the paralytic, what does he do first? He tells the man, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, hold on only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus says, in order that you may know that I have authority to forgive sins, he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, obviously it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because that's not verifiable, right? But he said, so that you'll know that I have authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. And the man got up and walked. You see Jesus performing this miracle, healing the paralyzed man. It's ultimately to authenticate the fact that he has the authority to forgive sins.
0: Similarly, in Matthew 9, where that story is told again, we actually get several additional miracles there. But all of those emphasize Jesus interacting with and healing unclean people. The leper, for instance. What was Jesus doing when he touched the leper? He's showing that the leprosy wasn't going to make him unclean. Jesus doesn't get unclean by touching people, but he came to make us clean. The same is true of the girl who died in that same chapter, since dead bodies would have been considered unclean. And even the woman with the discharge of blood, when she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was healed. All of these point to the fact that Jesus didn't get infected by our sin by coming into this world. Instead, he came and brought the solution. That's what he's teaching. These miracles in Matthew 9 all show that this message is true.
1: We even see in Luke 5 where Jesus tells the disciples to throw their nets over on the other side of the boat. They're like, hey, we've been fishing all night. We're the expert fishermen. This is our job. But when they obey Jesus, they end up pulling in more fish than their boat can even hold. Did Jesus do this miracle just to do a cool magic trick with fish? Of course not. We see that Jesus goes on to tell them, from now on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so the phrase, I will make you, is key here because he's the one that made them catch all the fish physically. And so it wasn't that they tried some new technique to catch more fish. No, it was Jesus who caused them to physically catch fish, and then he's going to cause them to catch men spiritually. They have to do the work of fishing. They have to cast the net. But it's Jesus who brings people to salvation. So yeah, even that miracle was actually teaching a lesson.
0: Absolutely. So when we look at all of these, and we could continue, we could go through all the miracles throughout scripture, it would take us too long to do. But when we look at them and we compare that to today, looking at the characteristics that we've seen in Scripture, that they are immediate, they're complete, they're obvious or visible, that they're verifiable, and that they can only be attributed to God. He gets the glory, and they authenticate the message. We could even go further and show how they authenticated the messenger as well showing this is who Jesus is, and this is who the apostles are, that they are one of his. But we don't have time to discuss all of that. But looking at those characteristics that we just listed, do we see these types of things happening today? Do we see anything like the feeding of the 5,000 today? Do we see people getting raised from the dead like Lazarus today? Do we see people walking on water or turning water into wine? We need to be honest and not try to make things fit into a category of a miracle just because we think we need to see a miracle. But we also need to recognize that while God may not be doing those exact miracles today, it doesn't mean that he isn't doing any miracles We just need to be sure that when we call something a miracle, that it fits the definition.
1: I think a lot of what people call miracles today, those events don't point people to the gospel. And so that's a problem. If a miracle is not pointing someone to God, to Christ as our Savior, that's not a miracle from God. What is it saying and who is it glorifying? I mean, you hear a lot about these faith healers and things like that today.
0: Yeah, while those guys may be saying that they're doing it for God, they're really pointing to themselves, that they're the ones making this miracle happen. They want you to look to them and even give money and... How many of their claims end up being fraudulent?
1: I think also of instances where some people have supposedly seen a statue of Mary crying, or maybe they found Jesus in their toast, you know? And they'll say, this is a miracle! But that doesn't at all match up with anything that we see in Scripture. So we really need to test those things. But what's it pointing to? What would be the point of a statue crying? How would that point us to the gospel? If you look at all of these things in light of the examples in Scripture, they don't seem to fit at all as a miracle of God.
0: We need to test those things. We don't need to just hear something that we can't explain and say, that's a miracle. We need to test it and ask, could there be another reason for this? I mean, it may be that the people are just con artists. Right. There are plenty of false teachers and false prophets out there. There are plenty of people that are trying to make a buck off of gullible people or even people that are hurting. So we need to test it. Does it fit the biblical standard of what a miracle is?
1: And there is a lot of people that are superstitious. And so they're spiritual in the sense that they find significance in things. So something like an inanimate object appearing to look like what we think Jesus might look like, that gets them stirred up.
0: Again, we want to be clear that we're not saying that God is not at work, even if we don't see miracles. I don't want people to examine so called miracles today and conclude that God isn't working and you just get discouraged. No, we should actually be encouraged when we read the Bible because not everyone was seeing miracles, even back then. There's a significant portion of the scripture where God is clearly seen working through everyday normal life. The book of Ruth is a good example of that. You see the sovereignty of God in that book, but nothing that would fit the characteristics of a miracle. The book of Habakkuk as well shows the prophet asking God to work in miraculous ways again. But what Habakkuk saw was God working in more mundane ways, using humans, even his enemies, to accomplish God's purposes. Even in the New Testament, most of what we see after the book of Acts tends to be the normal Christian life. So this should remind us what you said at the beginning of this episode, Alice, that miracles are not commonplace. Aside from the Gospels, which primarily deal with the three years of Jesus' ministry, and then the book of Acts, which was the time period immediately following Jesus' resurrection, aside from those, we don't know how much time elapsed between miracles and the Bible. In some instances, it could have been hundreds of years. There's no reason to think that people just saw miracles all the time. They weren't and aren't commonplace. But that doesn't mean that God is absent. It simply means that God expects his people to trust him without seeing anything spectacular. We've got to trust what God has already said and done.
1: And ultimately, we need to make sure that we're very careful about thinking that physical miracles are somehow greater or more important than the supernatural work of God to transform spiritually dead people into people made alive in Christ. Mm -hmm. So people who are dead in their trespasses and sin. And God made us alive together in him. That is the greatest miracle. And that is far superior, even than any physical healing that we may experience, including a miraculous healing.
0: Because that's temporary.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but then the poor guy had to die again.
1: (laughs) Right. So any physical miracle that we may experience is only temporary. And yet our salvation is eternal. And that's the greatest miracle that any of us can experience. And that's absolutely a miracle because a dead person cannot make themselves alive. That is a supernatural work of God. Salvation happens in an instant because no one is partially saved.
0: And we should see that in each other's lives, right? If someone is regenerated, they're a new creation in Christ. And that change should be obvious. Their life should display that. And ultimately, God should get the glory because it's nothing that we can do. It's only God that changes hearts and lives. So in a sense, if we've come to faith in Christ or if we've seen someone else come to faith in Christ, we've seen a miraculous work of God. Amen. Alice, I think that's a good place to stop for now. So thanks for jumping in on this episode. And thank you all for listening to the RCF podcast. If you'd like more information about Rody Christian Fellowship, visit us on the web at rodyfellowship.com or our Instagram page at Fellowship.